it's several years ago, our oldest daughter, Nicole, was killed in an accident. We were on a family vacation, and it was one of those things that completely rocked our world. And I dealt with it to a point. But when you're raising kids and you have such a devastating loss and you're working and all of those things, sometimes it's hard to walk through those things completely. We all walk through it as a family. But once I got here and our youngest boys started growing up and getting ready to leave the house, it was a time where I I realized there was still some healing I needed to do, some embracing of that. And that also birthed in me a passion to help other people, to help other moms, help other people grieving. Loss is part of this life. Welcome to the Persistence You podcast with Lisbeth, and that's you as in university. But we're much more of a community here. I'm your host, Lisbeth Meredith, author, speaker, and online teacher. Each week, I'll be delivering stories from amazing survivors and strivers, all threaded together with a dose of persistence. So glad you're listening. Welcome, Persisters and Brothers. It's Lisbeth. I'm excited to be back after a couple of weeks of not interviewing. Oh my, and I do sometimes forget to get the microphone close to me. Can you hear that difference? Uh, Anyhow, today I have the amazing Kim Peacock with us. If you're with me on YouTube, before I get started, you'll notice that I may be looking a little hot and sweaty, and that's because it is terrifyingly humid here in Tennessee at the moment I'm recording. And to give my best recording for you, I need to have my air conditioning off. And so that means that I then look like I've just gone swimming, but I haven't. Um, Kim Peacock's story really touches my heart. She is a mother of a large family, but a mom who years ago lost one of her children tragically in an accident. And I think as parents, most of us do not ever even want to think for a second that we will outlive any of our children. And yet that happens. And it's something that often, if you're a friend of someone who's lost a child, you get uncomfortable. You don't know what to say. Maybe you want to avoid that person. It's just too painful to deal with. Kim has gone above and beyond to incorporate this experience into her life. And she wrote a book called Victorious Heart, Finding Hope and Healing After a Devastating Loss. I'm just so touched because I know that Kim wants to share with, she wants to normalize a conversation about grief and loss and to free other parents up to remember their child, to incorporate that child into their life and not to be deterred by people's discomfort in our world today, talking about death and loss and hard things. So thankful to have her here today. I will let her in the little Zoom room in just a second. Also for a quick update, I got my trademark for Persisters Press, S being big in Persisters. And this was an expensive and lengthy process. And I should say that I've got the okay that I'm on the the list now. I mean, all the documents have been entered by the lawyer. So I have the ability to use the trademark Persisters Press on Grounded in Grit 
turn your challenges into superpowers. I don't know when I'll get to host this episode today with Kim Peacock, but Grounded in Grit at this moment is scheduled to be released on August 11th of 2023, which happens to be my birthday. And so I'm excited for that. So Persisters Press, that's my imprint, uh, Grounded in Grit, that's the title. And I hope that some of you will find it to be very helpful, very useful. And now I'm excited to have a copy to give to my beta readers. So wish me luck. Glad that you're here as ever. I hope you're enjoying your summer, your family, or your friends, or your solitude, whichever it is that you're choosing. And thanks again for being here, for your shares, your comments. Hop onto my email list at lameredith.com. And remember, we now have more than 120 episodes. So thanks always. And I will introduce Kim in just a little second. Thank you. Kim Peacock, do you go by Kimberly or Kim? Kim. Kim, I am so very glad to meet you. Thank you for being on Persistence You, and I'm excited to have a new Tennessean friend. Thank you so much for having me. Oh my gosh. Welcome to Tennessee. (laughs) Thank you. Yes, it's been more than a year and a half, and I'm feeling like once in a while, I feel like a local. Mostly, I still feel like a different Dundee, you know? (laughs) Something <laughs> around lost. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I still do. And I've been here for nine years. So oh, it's, gosh, it's oh, culture. that's great. Well, yeah. thank you. Can you tell me, I, I introduced your book and about a little bit about what we'll be talking about today, but tell me a little bit before we get started, what are you doing today? Where are you living? And then take us back to what, be, what inspired this conversation. Okay. Uh, I am uh live I am living in Mount Juliet, Tennessee, which is outside of Nashville and Beautiful. I've been in the south for 9 years. Our family moved from Southern California, the desert in Southern California. So talk about a change. Oh yes. Uh, it, it was the great migration to Tennessee and I love it. It's a, of course adjustments and all sure. of that, but we really love it here. Uh we followed grandkids. So you know, that's, <laughs> that was a good thing. But once I got here, it was a time of right, like reevaluation. Our older teenagers had, we have a blended family. So we have kids from my husband's previous marriage, my previous marriage, we have one biological daughter, and then three adopted boys. So we got a, a mix, yes. but they were getting the youngest ones were getting ready to graduate. And it brought a time of reevaluation because when we're in the midst of craziness of life, you don't really have time to even think about, okay, where have I grown? Where do I need to grow? What, what is kind of my purpose? And I landed on a purpose of just helping others. Uh, Several years ago, our oldest daughter, Nicole was killed in an accident. We were on a family vacation and it was one of those things that completely rocked our world. And I dealt with it to a point. But when you're raising kids, and you have such a devastating loss, and you're working and all of those things, sometimes it's hard to walk through those things completely. We all walk through it as a family. But once I got here, and our youngest boys started growing up and getting ready to leave the house, it was a time where I I realized there was still some healing. I needed to do some embracing of that. And that also 
birthed in me a passion to help other people, to help other moms, help other people grieving. Loss is part of this life. And when Nicole passed away, it put us into a place of unexpected uh, darkness. And and grief does bring darkness. It, it's sure. part of it. But I don't think I even really realized till looking back the road that I had walked, if that makes sense. Sometimes you're just walking through it and you're just surviving. Right. And so that birthed in me just a desire to help other people kind of go back and visit that area of where, okay, these are the things that helped me. These are the things that were really harmful. Uh, these are w- things I wish I would have done differently. And these things are just part of the truth of losing someone. So that's kind of where I am today and why I am ministering to mostly moms that have lost kids, but loss is loss. You can't compare it. So just grief is realizing grief is a part of our life and how, how do we survive that? Not only survive it, but to be thriving within that. Sure. And and I think one thing about your story that really struck me was it wasn't like she was sick. Your daughter hadn't hadn't had a terminal illness that gave you a heads up. It was a fun family vacation where she was killed in an accident. And so you're mm-hmm. just not prepared. You're caught flat-footed with a house full of children who still need you to go on. Mm-hmm. And I think the real question that I think about when I hear your story is how do you keep living when a part of you has just feels like it's died forever. And I love that you went back and thought what, you know, there's more healing to be done. Mm-hmm. And what I've learned, I can share with others. That's, that's mm-hmm. wonderful. And I, and I, and it's funny because I didn't at the time think about it specifically. Okay. These are the things that I'm doing. But like you said, we went from just, I had a plan. My plan was we're going to raise the kids. We're going to teach them to be responsible people. We're going to, you know, all of these things, you know, we all have a plan for our family. And I thought that if I controlled everything and had everything according to plan that I could control the outcome that I could control uncomfortable situations or sadness and all of those things. But that day we were, we were executing the plan. We're having, we are on vacation. It was fun. Everybody was doing great. But in an instant, we realized that we have no control. Control is an illusion. What I did learn is that I couldn't control the circumstances, but I could control how I reacted to those. And I don't even think I realized that at the time I was just grappling for survival at the time. But looking back, I realized, no, we the only thing we have control in this life over is our attitude and our actions and and how we handle those things that's going to happen to everybody. Everybody is going to hit something. And I hope it's not something as devastating as losing a child, but everybody experiences loss. So how are we going to handle that? How are we going to walk through those days and come out the other side and be and have beauty in our lives. It is, it's, it's a hard thing, but it is a definitely a possible and probable thing that can happen. I think that's beautiful. I I wish that we had conversations more regularly before we experience, some of us experience those things. Mm -hmm. I wish that kids felt like they understood uh, that life is finite and that loss is inevitable somewhere. Um, Mm -hmm. 
because these are important conversations to have. Mm-hmm. When you lost your daughter, can you remember some particularly helpful things that people said or did that helped and you know were comforting to you in a time where you needed it? That's a wonderful question because everybody wants to help and nobody comes to you with um, words that they think will be harmful. They don't, they want to help. But some of the things that were the most helpful was when people just showed up and they didn't try to fix my pain. So there is no way you can fix the pain of a grieving parent or a grieving wife or daughter or friend. You can't fix those feelings. You, they have to walk through those feelings, but the biggest thing is if they don't feel like they have to walk through them alone. So if people will just show up, those people Mm -hmm. that showed up at our house, um, they brought bottled water and food, wiped off the counters, took out the trash, sometimes left a card, um, not expecting anything from us, not expecting a reaction. Those things were the most helpful just to know that we weren't alone. So as uncomfortable as it is, if if you're anyone listening has lo- has a friend that has lost somebody, just show up, text them often, call them. I love you. And don't expect them to text you back. It's OK. They just need to know they're not alone. That's important and great that you mentioned that about the reaction back. Like, don't expect something back, but it doesn't mean it didn't count or it didn't register mm-hmm. somewhere mm-hmm. in their hurt uh, world of hurt right now. It did right. register. Right. Are there things that we can learn to avoid saying or doing when somebody we know has gone through an unimaginable loss and we are at a loss for how to respond? Mm-hmm. I think though, anything that you're saying, that's going to try to fix them, for instance, oh, well, they're in heaven. Well, right. and I know Nicole's in heaven. I believe she's in heaven. But at the time, I just want her here with me. Right. So, well, she's in heaven or you aren't, you know, it's been three months, six months. Are you, are you over it? Are you doing fine? Are you back to normal? It's been 23 years. I am not back to that pre-accident, sure. Kim. Um, I'm thriving and, and in a happy, flourishing life, but we don't go back to normal. So to say those things, um, you know, to give platitudes, anything that's trying to fix it, any kind of platitude are, is it's, it's hurtful because you're, you're like, I just want them here with me. So just try to avoid those things. Try to avoid the things that might, I know you intend them for good, but to try to cheer them up um, as far as just trying to fix it. Things that are helpful is telling them happy things about that child or that husband or wife or family member, you know, you know, when for this is an example, if somebody were to tell me a happy story about Nicole or how Nicole, our daughter um, that passed away, how she helped them when Nicole came to me and did this, this was helpful because that's like a little balm on my heart that makes me feel like I've got to spend a little more time with Nicole. So don't try to fix it. Be there and and tell them happy stories, how their loved one impacted them. It's so it that is so powerful because you do not want your child, your loved one to feel like they've been to feel like they've been forgotten because right. that's a that's a terrible feeling. That is great advice. That really is. And I feel like so often those of us who have a friend who's grieving, 
we don't want to do anything to hurt them further or bring back a bad memory. If they're having a good day, we don't want them to remember that they've lost a child. And of course, that's silly because that never, ever, ever goes away. Mm-hmm. And I remember I, I didn't lose my children through um, death, but I, at one point my ki- in my marriage, uh, after a divorce, my kids were taken out of country. They were kidnapped for a couple of years. And I remember people saying things like everything happens for a reason and this, that, and some people said the right thing, but often they just said something. And I remember thinking I wouldn't do this. And then sure enough, a death came in my family of a young person. And I said all the wrong things, Mm -hmm. just trying to fix it, you know, and it's really hard for those of us who we want so badly for things to be better and to just yeah. be like they were. And then we open our mouths and it's like, I remember thinking, shush, be quiet. Don't say yeah. anymore. You know, I'm watching myself talk thinking, where did this come from? Yeah. Just, just be, I have experienced the same thing. Quit talking. It was what I'll say to myself. Just quit talking right. because I, and I think it's in our nature. Like you said, we just want to fix it. We just want to um, bring peace back into their lives and, and balance. And we want to make it like it didn't happen. Right. And, and that's part of our comfort, you know, seeking theology here that we have in, in, and I think it's just human nature, but, but it's grief, the things that you've gone through, you, you had to live in that tension of not knowing what was going to happen. And that was painful. And there was no words that could fix that. There's no words that can fix what you were going through at the time. But the great thing is, like you said, just people showing up and being there and, you know, whether they have the right thing to say or the right thing to do, just knowing that they would be there is so, Mm -hmm. so, so incredibly helpful. Mm -hmm. So as you started, you know, after your kids grew up and you're thinking about your purpose and further healing and how you can help other parents. How did you decide what parts to include in your book? It was definitely in layers. Um, I wrote a, just a general part of our story. And then I wrote the things that helped. But what I realized through having friends and my publisher read it, they said, you need to go deeper into the story because people understand they can look at, they can look at you, for instance, or me on this side of, of, just super hard things and go, Oh, well, you're fine. You're good. Everything's good. But what I realized is I had to show people that the, the depth of darkness that, that a parent goes through or someone goes through when they lose somebody. And so I had to go through that in my story, just talking about the pain and the hard, ugly things that were, that just accompany grief. And looking back, I, those memories came to, um, mind. And then I, what I, and I didn't want to include those because I wanted to say, look, it's still part of the comfort thing. I think, look, I'm okay. And beautiful things have come out of this. I really do believe that. Um, But through that people have to understand because somebody reading that book, if they don't see the pain, they're like, well, this lady can't, um, can't relate with my pain. And so I needed to include that in there. I needed to go down and show people that that no, you are not alone. These things that you're experiencing and everybody experiences grief differently, but 
these are some of the things that helped me. And I really had the desire and still have the desire to show people that all of those things you, you do have to walk through, you do have to sit in your pain for a while. That's just part of it. Mm-hmm. But through that, there's going to be beautiful things on the other side. So I wanted to kind of bring somebody along on my journey with me so right. that they could see it's not just my story. It's just like, okay, how can, how can things, how can I help somebody walk through their story? Because if it's just about my story, everybody has a story. Mm-hmm. You, I mean, you have an amazing story or women I talk to all the time have these amazing victorious stories that they they're living these conquering lives but yet, but okay, how did that happen? And so that that was the purpose of the book to just go, no, I need this to be helpful to someone. And if it's not helpful, then it's just my story. And, and that's not really going to benefit anyone. That is wonderful. I mean, I think that's fantastic. And so what has been some of the, of course you wrote it and then the pandemic came. So it probably yes. changed your book promotion ideas. Yes. <laughs> but Tell us a little bit about that. Like, what are the neat things that have happened? And have you heard from other parents and other moms? Mm -hmm. Uh, I really have gotten such a great response. And it was a weird thing because it came out in fall of 2019. I did had a speaking engagement February of 2020. And then March, everything went a little nuts. Yes. But even with that, this type of book, this type of, I call it my ministry is not it's not for large masses. It's more of a one-on-one thing because grief is so intimate, right? Mm -hmm. And it's so individual. So what I've realized is um, when people read the book or hear a podcast or whatever, they go, oh, I'm heard. And that's the thing that I have, the biggest response that I've received is, oh, I, I feel like I'm heard. I'm seen. I'm not alone. I can do this. That's the thing that I've heard the most. And you know, whenever you go through any kind of traumatic situation, you you bind together with the people that have been through like situations. Right. And you, you, you know, we've all heard it said you become part of a club you don't want to be a part of, but you're thankful for them. Mm-hmm. Um, those women, especially the women that I've talked to, we, our hearts are bound together. Some of them I've never even seen. Um, one example, and this has nothing to do with the book, but it's just how the connection is. I was at a cemetery. We are in a cemetery construction company. We own a cemetery construction company. And I was in a cemetery in LA and there was a mama who came every single day and, and decorated her daughter's grave every single day. And her daughter's birthday was the same birthday as Nicole's. So I approached her carefully and um, we had language difference. She didn't speak English and um, I didn't speak Spanish, but I just went and I pointed and I put my hand on my heart and said, my daughter is in heaven. And I pointed up to the, to the sky and she just hugged me. And we stood there for moments, just hugging and crying over the daughters, it was it was the most profound thing. All the busyness of the cemetery stopped in art for us. And, um, you know, we will never see each other again. But that binding together, when you bind together with people and you realize, okay, she encourages, encouraged me. Mm-hmm. 
because she's still walking around. She's still moving. She's still going. And just to know, okay, we're like these little comrades going together. Okay. We're going to do this. And so I think that that's one of the biggest things that I've learned is just how these broken, our broken hearts, they bind us together in these common, common threads. It's, it's really, to me, a beautiful thing. I love that. And it is so counterintuitive to some of the information we get online today, which is like, put a pretty spin on it, manifest a better destiny. Um, Not that there isn't something to positive thinking, but, you know, just show up well and fake it till you make it. And I feel like one of my earliest guests said, you know what? And it was a man who said this. I loved him. He said, we, we connect on our brokenness. Oh, that's beautiful. We need to be able to share with one another that not just look at my vacation, look at my family reunion, my successes, Mm -hmm. but this beautiful moment of two hearts who would have never met, couldn't speak the same language, but you absolutely did have the same language. And, you know, what a beautiful scene that must have been and and a wonderful encouragement, a little miracle right there. I believe it was just that I would happen to be in that part of the cemetery and I had gone a few days. And so I had known that she came and it took me courage to go up to her because, you know, I don't want, like we spoke about, I don't want to cause her more pain, but I just felt, I really almost felt like God was compelling me. You need to go make this connection because it's important for her, but it's important for you. And so it, it was truly beautiful. And I do think a hundred percent of what you're saying about um, having the positive attitude, having a positive attitude is one of the most important things. Sure. But it also doesn't, it's both. And you can have a, an attitude of hope and think of beautiful things and positive things, but also acknowledge your pain because if you don't do both, it's the contrast I think that sometimes we're missing in our world. It's the contrast that brings the beauty to light. It's the contrast that, yeah, my heart is so stinking broken that I don't feel like I can get out of bed. But then when I do get out of bed and I meet people like that woman, or I see a butterfly that for me signifies Nicole's beautiful life, all of those things. And, you know, those are the things it's both and sorrow pain, acknowledging that, but then there's beauty within that. And I think it brings a deeper beauty to it. If that makes sense. Oh, sure. Absolutely. I don't know how much we would appreciate the good times in our lives if we only had them, Mm -hmm. you know, and I, and I do feel like you and I spoke a little before we recorded, but I feel like we're living in a society, at least in America, where we're afraid of pain and we're afraid of hard things. So if Mm -hmm. it's physical pain, get as many medications as you can. And if it's emotional pain, what can we do to numb it, but not stick with it for a minute and see how we can grow and learn and incorporate it, you know, Mm -hmm. not just push it away, but incorporate it. So I Mm -hmm. feel like that's such a beautiful example. Now tell us today what you're doing and where can people connect with you to learn more about your work, to work with you maybe, and to get your book. Um, I have a blog and my website is wildvictoriousheart.com. So anyone can reach out on that. I, I speak to small and large groups, um, whichever, whatever the case is. And I do some grief mentoring and um, 
my main thing is mostly what I enjoy is the one-on-one with people because I think that that, and, you know, through Zoom is, is wonderful. And my audio book is coming out. The Victoria's Heart on Audible will come out in the next few months. So I'm super excited about That's that. That's exciting. Yeah. So that, exciting. I got to narrate it. So that was another, that was another uh, layer to my healing, really. It was just Good. phenomenal. So super blessed in those kind of kind of ways. Um, you can get the book on Amazon or anywhere books are sold um, through my website has a link as well. Fantastic. I am so incredibly honored that you shared this with us today. And thanks so much for being with us. Lizbeth, thank you so much for having me. It was has been an, a blessing and uh, just love your heart. Oh, thank you. And yours. I do too. Hold on one second. I hope you loved that as much as I did. And I feel like she is amazing, but it's such an important conversation to have about grief. Yes. About how to support someone when they have a loved one, maybe especially a child die unexpectedly or unexpectedly. The things that we say that can be helpful or the actions we take or the things that we mean to be comforting that might not be. So Thank you to Kim Peacock and thank you always for being here. I will connect with you later and look forward to seeing you next week. I hope you've enjoyed this week's show. Thank you for listening. If you have enjoyed it, feel free to leave a review. And if you've really, really enjoyed it, go ahead and subscribe and I'll see you next week. Proud member of the Podnougan Network.